you are listening to the transforming india podcast jointly brought to you by the deepak and neeraj center on indian economic policies at columbia university and the times of india i am arvind panagariya director of the raj center and professor of economics at columbia my co-host on this podcast is professor praveen krishna he is a professor of international economics and business at johns hopkins university welcome praveen Hi Arvind, delighted to join you for episode 17 of the podcast. The Transforming India podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe and follow it on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud wherever you get your podcasts. Arvind, the US elections are taking place on November 3rd. President Donald Trump the Republican nominee and the incumbent is facing off against the Democratic nominee former Vice President Joseph Biden. In this episode we have a special guest on the podcast to discuss US elections and its implications for India. Dr. Tanvi Madan is a senior fellow in foreign policy and director of the India Project at the Brookings Institution in Washington DC. Tanvi is an expert on India US relations and we're delighted to have her on the Transforming India podcast. She studied at Lady Shriram College in India and also at Yale University and got her PhD finally at the University of Texas at Austin. She's also the author of the recent book Fateful Triangle: How China Shaped US-India Relations During the Cold War. Welcome Tanvi. It's good to be on the podcast Praveen. Thanks for having me. Great. Welcome Tanvi. We're delighted you could join us. So to set the context, I wonder if I could ask you to, you know, give our listeners a 2-minute summary of the current state of US-India relations. Specifically, if you could also include some reference to how you see the relationship has evolved in the last 4 years under President Trump. Thank you, Arvind. Uh, it's good to be on the show. I think the Trump years have been there's been more continuity in US India relations and I think might have been expected this time uh 4 years ago on some key issues there's been evolution cooperation and progress I would say where I'd particularly highlight there's been progress is on the defense security and diplomatic side so you've seen uh, the US and India sign deepen their cooperation in each of those spaces sign a number of what are called foundational agreements that had been in the works for a long time and most of these have been signed one was in 2016 but the other two or three have been signed since then there has been increased activity in terms of intelligence sharing the us has delivered a more military equipment to india the quadrilateral dialogue that the us and india have with australia and japan has been revived and you've seen the us play a helpful role for india during a number of crises whether that is india pakistan crises last year in february or it was during the india china boundary standoffs whether that was in 2017 or the ongoing one going on right now at ladakh and the us has helped whether it is at the un security council or it has been as in the current crisis through diplomatic support rhetorical support as well as things like information sharing so i think on the i'd put the defense and security side in the kind of assets box. and and that cooperation which has taken place under a kind of a china shadow you've seen that allow the two countries to manage their differences on a number of fronts thanks to me now 
what role has the U.S. relationship with China played in its approach to India with respect to security as well as economics? And is your sense that this triangular situation and the way the U.S. role in it in that context has been to India's benefit? And then sort of going forward as well, how will the U.S. approach to China shape its relationship with India? I think shared convergence between the two countries, between the U.S. and India, a shared perception and concerns about a rising China's behavior has driven the U.S. and India together. I would say this has been happening for the last 15 years, but I think you definitely see it happen over the last four years. I think initially when President Trump took office, there was some concern in India after the Xi-Trump Mar-a-Lago summit about the U.S. approach to China, whether it would be more on the cooperative side. But since summer of 2017, growing American concern about China has led to this willingness to work with India on a number of different fronts. So I think it has facilitated the defense and security cooperation I've talked about. But you've also seen it, for instance, allow India and the U.S. to manage their differences on other fronts, including the economic side, where there have been some trade frictions, for example, and some concerns on both sides about issues like immigration or investment policy. I think there is scope in the future, and I think U.S. policy and perception of China will continue to have a role to play in terms of how U.S. and India relations develop. One, if the U.S. continues to see China as a competitor or even an adversary or threat, this makes India important in U.S. eyes. This is what it did in the Bush administration and the Obama and Trump administration. So in the next administration, whether that's a second Trump term or a Biden administration, that could be one place that gives India an important role, not just in the strategic sense, but also India as a democracy is seen as an ideological contrast. And finally, economically, depending on Indian economic policies, it could also portray India, it could lead to American government and companies seeing India as either an alternative or as part of their China plus one strategies as people think about economic resilience in a kind of a post-COVID world. How do you reduce over-dependence on China? This is where a country like India could come in. So I think it could open opportunities. Just finally, if, on the other hand, you see a more accommodative U.S. approach towards China, I think that does shrink the opportunity for India somewhat and will be a cause of concern for some people in Delhi. So, Tanvi, I just want to connect this to the election outcome a bit. Do you see that there is going to be a big difference between how this relationship, the triangular relationship evolves depending on who wins the election in the United States. In particular, this is what I'm concerned about. Presumably, a Biden administration will take a somewhat different, perhaps less aggressive view of China. That then has to have some spillover effects in his relationship with India as well. How do you see the the relationship evolving differently between a future Trump administration versus a future Biden administration? I think there are some known unknowns in both cases. I think the known unknown in in a Biden administration's case is we do know that there is an understanding amongst Vice President Biden as well as his team that today's China and today's U.S.-China relationship is not the one it was in, whether it's 2009, 2012, 2016, that China has been more assertive and that the U.S. needs to be tougher on China and more competitive. Biden himself has said that. He's called Xi Jinping a thug. But there is a debate within his team and his set of advisors on what the terms of that... So there's not not a debate on China as a strategic competitor, 
there's the debate on what the terms of that competition will be and how cooperation on issues like climate change, for example, or health security or non-proliferation, where does that fit in? And what are you willing to do to get Chinese cooperation on that? So I think that debate is still very much something to watch. And if it goes in the direction of, you know, Biden administration saying, look, we need to cooperate and engage with China, that's a priority. I think that will be a source of concern for India because there will be a concern that a Biden administration will then look the other way or not do as much with countries like India if, for example, uh, they take that route. But having said that, a Biden administration, if it doesn't go that route, there are certain aspects of its, if of a potential Biden policy that India could like. The fact that he has stressed that he will work collectively with allies and partners, uh, not uh, you know impose tariffs, not just on China, but on these allies and partners, that he will also rejuvenate, spend time kind of rejuvenating the US itself, which will make it stronger. And so I think you can see both ways that this could work both ways. And he's talked about emphasizing working with democratic partners. Trump, on the other hand, as you mentioned, that, you know, it is his more hawkish view of China has actually been welcome in Delhi. And so I think they'll hope for that continuity. But there will be some concern about a couple of different things. One, uh, that he himself, it's not quite clear if he's bought into this stuff on China policy. He has shown an inclination to try to do a deal with Xi Jinping. And so there will be that concern at the back of Indian policymakers' minds that, you know, will he suddenly switch? Because I think they do see him as being volatile on some of and uncertain. And I think the second thing there'll be some concern about is uh, what does he do to, for example, U.S. alliances in Asia? Because if he he's not a big fan of alliances, if he winds those down, that doesn't, you know, India might not be an ally, but it does mean that it could be a, mean a reduced U.S. commitment in the region, which I think India will worry about. If I may push a little bit on the economic side as well, because, you know, there is a sentiment in India that India needs to distance itself and perhaps, you know, even to some degree decouple from China. And that, of course, also translates into greater uh, cooperation and greater interaction economically uh, with the United States, possibly Europe as well. Are there any things that India can do to proceed in that direction? I think, Avin and Praveen, it is all the things both of you have been writing about, which is that I think, you know, thinking about India as while with domestic political and economic considerations, especially with a COVID crisis, both health and economic going on, rethinking what India's economic engagement with the world might be and adjusting policy accordingly. So, for example, there's been a fair amount of discussion about trying to whether it's through a supply chain resiliency initiative with Australia and Japan that India said it's launching, or the Prime Minister's own words that India wants to be part of global supply chains, it wants to be trustworthy, more reliable partner, without mentioning China, of course, but the allusion is to China. But that will require not just thinking about attracting global manufacturers to come to India, it will also mean a rethinking of trade policy, for instance, uh, and investment policy across the board, it means uh, thinking about skilling to ensure that these uh, MNCs have that opportunity. And it will mean making it easier for Indian companies as well to not just produce for the Indian market, but be competitive and to be able to export. So I think it's that whole ecosystem and many of the reforms that you have all uh, written about for, for so many years, I think that will be a necessary component because otherwise I think you'll see some amount of interest in India economically, but I don't think without some of these 
changes, you'll see the kind of taking advantage of the opportunity that I don't think this window will last for long. So I think there is an opportunity and it would be good, whether it's a Biden or a Trump administration, for India to take this. I think one thing that India will have to be aware of is that a Trump administration that gets re-elected will only want to be tougher in terms of striking a trade partnership. So I think that's the one other economic element that I would mention here that could be quite significant in the months ahead. Let me ask you as well, Tanvi, moving beyond China and just kind of more broadly, from an Indian perspective, as Indians kind of look at the U.S. elections, what are the other areas that you think Indians would be interested in, whether it's kind of immigration, visas, trade investment? Broadly, what what is New Delhi looking at when they're looking at kind of the outcome of the U.S. election here? So I think, the, you know, one of the ones you mentioned, and I think this is almost something that India, uh, there'll be a few other countries, but India is one of these few countries that will look at immigration and particularly high-skilled immigration policy quite carefully. If there are some things that President Trump, for instance, has instincts on that he are quite consistent, there are alliances, trade and immigration. And especially in the last year or so, there has been tightening of immigration policy, which hasn't affected a sector that I think Indian companies and a number of kind of young Indians do care about, which is these H-1B visas. But it's also touched in the last year or so things like student visas. And there's some discussion about tightening it further. And I think that is a, is a major part of the U.S.-India relationship. It has been a significant source of remittances for India, but it's also been part of that glue in between the two countries. And so I think India will care, and I think Indians will care beyond the government about that immigration aspect. I think a Biden administration will take not an entirely different, but I think a significantly a different approach to trade, while he too will be kind of concerned about, and because of the progressive caucus that has joined him, he won't go back to what used to be an Obama era or Bush era trade policy, I do think it'll be less tariff heavy, for example. So I think trade will be one one other area. And I think, uh, you know, there will be some interest, for instance, in looking at specific policies like does uh, what happens with the drawdown in Afghanistan, because that will have implications for US-Pakistan relations as well. So I think there are these kind of different areas which will have implications beyond China. I've just mentioned one finally. I think It will matter to Indians what the election does to U.S. strength and capability building at home. I think President Trump and and Vice President Biden have very different visions for what to do to build American strength. And I think that in turn can actually affect India's options and the kind of role that the U.S. will play in the world. So I think that from a more broad perspective, and it will have specific implications, you know, what is the balance between as you build resilience economically, how much of that is going to be reshoring, how much of that is going to be diversifying. Diversifying would benefit India, reshoring to America would not. So related, what about Iran and Russia? Meaning that, you know, suppose a Biden administration comes in. On Trump, we have general understanding, although as you have pointed out, he is not necessarily going to stick to what he did in the past when it comes to the future. But we still have some sense of where he is going to be. He has defined himself with respect to both those countries. Do you see in a Biden administration, the relationships with Iran and Russia changing? And what I have 
in mind here from India's perspective is the threat of sanctions that India has faced, either it's through CATSA in the context of Russia or economic sanctions on Iran, which prevent India from buying oil from Iran. Do you see this is going to come out differently under a Biden presidency compared to a Trump presidency? I think so. I think India would probably prefer a Biden-Iran approach, which could be depending on how it's approached. We don't know um, where he will go. But, you know, some effort to kind of go back to a JCPOA, the, the Iran deal, India would actually welcome that. I think India would prefer a less belligerent approach towards Iran. Now, it has managed to get an exemption, say, for the Chabahar port that it is helping develop in Iran. Because of that, the importance to, uh, for India-Afghan relations. But I do think it would prefer a Biden approach that is less belligerent because that creates broader instability in the Middle East. I think Russia is trickier because I think India has made the argument to uh, American officials that Russia can be a potential partner against China and that US-Russia rapprochement would help create a wedge between Russia and China. And India is very concerned about Russia-China relations deepening. President Putin just a couple of days ago said that he would even be open to a China-Russia military alliance, something that would cause a lot of concern in India. And so even as there is that concern about Katsa sanctions, because I think at this point, the question is, would an American president give India a waiver? Because Capitol Hill has built that in. There is a potential for getting a waiver. I think it will depend very much on the Biden administration, just like for the the Trump administration, Biden administration's view of whether it thinks that India is partnering with it on a number of different fronts. So I think it would be ready to give India a waiver. And I think it's less likely to be, to put it bluntly, uh, just kind of transactional in the sense of, you know, President Trump might have said, well, if you don't give me this defense deal, if you don't buy F-18 aircraft for your for your Navy, I will not give you this waiver. I don't think you'd see a Biden administration approach it in that way. But I do think a Biden administration is likely to be tougher on Russia. And it doesn't matter who's going to be in office in January 2021. I think on Capitol Hill, there is a pretty kind of tough view on Russia, regardless of who is going to come. That will cause some complications for Delhi that it will have to navigate. Prime Minister Modi will, regardless of the outcome of the election, will, of course, have to work with the new U.S. president to to advance India's economic and strategic interests. Are there particular issues that the New Delhi is just kind of waiting on for the resolution of the election outcome to start advancing with the United States? Or is it mostly kind of a maintenance of continuity that you expect in the coming months? I think, you know, they'll probably be watching two or three things on election night. I mean, one is, and it'll be related to the substance, one is, is there a clear kind of victor that emerges? Second, you know, does the Senate stay with Republicans or does it switch parties? Because that will affect legislation and even things like, you know, trade deals potentially down the line. And I think third, in the kind of, if there is a change in the transition period, but even if there's a second Trump term, For India, it'll be important to watch, you know, who's going to take up key roles, not just on the foreign policy side, but roles like Commerce Secretary, USDR, as well as, you know, Chief Economic Advisor and those kind of roles. Because I think, you know, those will shape some of the debates on substance. And I think substantively, it was important that the US and India had this two plus two ministerial that they're having in Delhi, because this actually takes some of the things that they have been trying to get done 
and at least keeps the momentum going for the next few months. So I think there'll be certain things they will work on that will be more operational, that will be on the agenda for the next administration. I think the big one for me will be on the trade side. That's the next big thing. I think that the two countries really have to try to get something done, whether it's a, it's a trade deal or a bilateral investment treaty, something to move the trade ball forward, or at least ensure that these frictions that the two countries have don't spill over into other aspects of the relationship. So to me, that's the big kind of leftover. But there are, of course, a number of other things that I think they can pick up and run with, which will be more on the continuity side. I think, you know, India would want, for example, to see a Biden administration, if he wins, rejoin the Paris Climate Change Agreement. That'll open up more space for G2G interaction on clean energy, which has been happening, but not as much as they'd like because of President Trump's concern about Paris Climate Change Agreement. So, Tanvi, there is a view expressed by some that, uh, particularly this is in the context of defense cooperation, that a lot of the deepening that could be done with relative ease has already been done. And going forward, it is going to be tougher. The, the issues involved of things like interoperability of the equipment and even in terms of further defense cooperation going beyond the quad, if one is thinking in terms of, you know, further formal alliances, that gets into much tougher territory. You think in the next four years, we could still expect further deepening or it is going to be largely about maintaining and sustaining the relationship where it exists today? I think all these agreements that have been hard won for both sides, they have been uh, taken years to negotiate, have laid the basis, I think, for that operationalization, for the institutionalization will lead to that deepening. So I do expect it to happen, particularly if both sides remain focused on a China challenge. And not just in the defense space, but for example, both sides have talked about working together much more closely at international institutions, whether that's the Security Council, whether that's the WHO, or in some of the kind of global economic governance institutions as well. So I think you'll see deepening, but I, I think it will be tough because now this is where the rubber hits the road. And so these, this, what they've done is create the architecture of the house, so to speak. And now they're actually going to have to live in it and work on it day by day. And so that building, I mean, there's an advantage to it. It's, it build, helps build habits of cooperation. And once they get through this phase, it'll become more natural. But I think it is going to be this next phase because it gets down to actually operationalizing these things, living day to day. What does it mean? Well, yes, some of those kind of some of the baggage that still remains will come up. Some of the hesitations will come up. But I think this is where it will be important. As long as there's political momentum, the leaderships are committed. Uh, it will take time, but I think we'll see it uh, move forward. And like I said, particularly if there's strategic convergence on the broader issue. One specific follow up. Will five eyes become six eyes? Um, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, the, probably the, the country that's been actually really, uh, really uh, gunning for that sixth eye position is Japan. Uh, and it has been, you know, part of the alliance structure for the U.S. for, for many, many years. Um, I think the other thing is I'm not, uh, five eyes would uh, require the kind of commitments that I'm not sure even Delhi is willing to put on the table, even if the U.S. offered it. And so I think what you will see, which you've already seen today, both sides openly talk about the fact that the U.S. has uh, been sharing 
intelligence with India during the China-India standoff. A few years ago, this would have been, you know, you would never have admitted it. You know, people would have uh, said the sky is going to fall. So I think, you know, you've seen progress. And I think there's a lot that can be done between the two countries short of joining Five Eyes. And so I think there's a huge scope for that. And I think you've already seen the benefits for both sides from it. So I, I, I think that the ceilings are still far away and they can always burst through it later. But there's a ways to go before then. <laughs> All right. So thanks very much. I think there's been a great conversation. Thanks so much, Sanjay. Thank you. Well, it appears that that's all the time we have for today's episode of Transforming India podcast. Signing off, this is Praveen Krishna. And this is Arvind Panagaria on the Transforming India podcast, produced by Atisha Kumar, research scholar at Columbia University, and edited by Rebecca Megalwari at Insight at Columbia University. Thank you for listening.